if I say if I say what one more time, I want you to smack me in the head. <laughs> I want you to reach over and just crack me with all your might, right? I want to see stars. Do you notice how many say what? You know what? If we do what 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 what? Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson, and I'm Meta Bob. I mean, Ooh. I mean, I'm Bob Gallen. He's back. He's back. Meta Bob. So, the, Meta Bob, hearkening back to six years ago. Six years ago. Yeah. So, if you if you remember Metacasters, we we teased you. Ooh. Yeah. We we, we put a, a little worm on the hook, and we said we're going to go back into memory lane, and we're going to um, we're going to go back and revisit some of our our pearls. Of wisdom, you're being very generous. I'm being incredibly generous. <laughs> uh, so we we actually went back to Metacast. We said we we, we promised you we were going to reexamine trust, mm-hmm. and I thought episode it was episode number one. It was episode number one. Yeah, how cool was that? Yeah, it's crazy. So it was like the kickoff episode, and we explained our roots. That's where I did the meta thing because I used to uh, the, the Metacast come f- came from me using that terminology for everything. I described everything. Everything was meta. Even Josh was, if you listen to that first Metacast, even Josh was meta. It's meta Josh. <laughs> and he's probably become even more metaized oh, oh, definitely. over time. So yeah. more profound, if you will. So we listen to it. We listen to we, uh, the have, trust episode. We have dueling notes. We have dueling notes. And thoughts and ideas will be interesting. Bob was mocking my chicken scratch, if you could call it that. That's even being generous. Josh has like three. You can't. I wish I had smell a vision or a vision of vision but uh josh has three uh canary yellow or fluorescent yellow notes he he never takes notes and you you came prepared i came prepped. aka loaded for bear yes uh, it's showtime bob so why don't you leave josh why don't, <laughs> put a couple bullets in that gun and let's see where you see see what you end up shooting at yeah so in listening back a couple things that struck me uh, first and foremost, was um, how one-sided that I was in the whole view that it was the organization doesn't trust the development team and there's no trust, they don't trust us. And I think part of that is the situation that I was in at Teradata and part of it was just my age and where I was in my career that as I look back now, I've got a pretty different view on what trust means so I'd like to visit the 360-degree view of trust. I don't think we covered that enough because I was pretty bullheaded and kind of angry we, at that. We, we mentioned 360-degree trust we back then. In. But we were sort of unidirectional, yeah. right? Like p- folks towards the team uh, right. by not trusting the team. Right. As I, rec- as I was listening, we were also sort of anti-manager. Yes. We picked, we picked on management a little bit uh, at the time. So we were... You know, pro team, anti management, uh, trust. You know, d- you know, distrust was towards the team. Right. Is that a sense? Yeah, and there, and there was one moment where you actually called me out on that and said, "Hey, listen, it is more than just one direction." So you called me out, but we didn't dig into it. So that's something I think that we've gotten better at is actually digging into these things and exploring them instead of just giving them some lip service. So I want to make sure we really tackle that this time. We'll attack it. Go for it. But it, but it was pretty. 
uh, frustrating. I've got a sad face next to that of how one-sided I was in that whole discussion. And just the note after that is, how in the world did you put up with me? Well, no, no. I don't think of it that way at, at all. I, I mean, I lived at Terranata with you, yeah. albeit for a much shorter <laughs> period of time. So, uh, I mean, I understood it. I, I, don't, I didn't have that reaction in re-listening. I mean, I had, I had the reaction. It wasn't anti-Josh or pro-Josh. It right. was more, you're right, we were sort of, uh, we, we had direction sort of um, – Emphasis, mm-hmm. but but I want I want you to hit on it. I, I'd like to hear your view. What is three sixty degree trust from your point of view today? So that's so have a well rounded discussion. What do you what do you how are you feeling about it today? Yeah, the thing that I've been coaching a lot of my folks with that get frustrated when they don't feel trust is that oftentimes the best thing to do is to give trust, and that will start the trust cycle happening. We talked about the bank account in episode one, and I still like that because. Saving is harder than spending, and generating trust is harder than losing trust. You can lose trust in an instant, and then you get to this point where both parties are frustrated and no one's happy. So right. I'm I'm always coaching folks that are frustrated in a situation within their Agile squad or within their organization, whichever direction it is, that take the high road and be the first person to extend the olive branch, start the trust cycle, get that going. Cause otherwise you'll be at a stalemate and it will just get worse. We, we assume the worst sometimes there's a, there's a group on the scrum Alliance and, and we should be doing better on this group. It's, it's the coaches and the, uh, so certified scrum coaches, certified scrum trainers. So this is the elite of the elite. It's about 250 people. Right. We're not very trusting. We're not giving, we, so if someone makes a comment on that list, very often one of the areas that we beat each other up on is the definition of core scrum. Mm-hmm. So if someone says something like hardening, if they even mention the word hardening or if they even mention the word iteration zero, people attack them. And so so it's it's distrust. It's almost worse than in, in what in court. You're, you're assumed to be innocent until proven guilty. Right, yeah. Uh, here we are. We we don't practice what we preach. It's one of the foundational you know frustrations I have with this group mm-hmm. is that we not all of us and it's not everyone in that group. It's right. it's a subset, but we we attack so we assume the worst instead of extending trust or extending the assumption that someone, I mean someone's intentions are good mm-hmm. and to try to learn. I think it was uh, I think Jerry Weinberg has this view in systems thinking or in one of his books where he talks about you have to think before you react, you have to think of three ways that someone is coming from something. So instead of like if, you, if for example, you walk into your team and say, I need an estimate tomorrow for that release, right. I can go to the dark side. So I distrust you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the hell's going on with Josh? Right. I immediately go to the dark side. Well, before I do that, what Jerry's saying is have a positive view. What would be the most positive thing that would be driving Josh to do that? Mm-hmm. And then what would be a neutral thing, a non-angry thing? So you need at least three alternatives before you flip the bozo bit right. on Josh yeah. and distrust him. And I, and, I, and I like that. I like that view where it's, it's forcing you to think. It's forcing you to extend trust um, in that. And, and a lot of, I think a lot of us... So in a 360 view, it's that's not you know one of the mistakes we made back, and I think in that original Metacast, is that we had delineations between the team and management, right? 
and we should we should probably get rid of that. Yes, mm-hmm. that delineation is there, but it's let's just call them people. Right. There's a universe of people involved in agile teams and agile organizations, and we should be extending trust like universally. Now, now I think there is a meta pattern. Oh, there it is. A meta. There is a meta pattern where leadership has a has a dynamic with the team mm-hmm. that we were focusing on. So let's not be naive. Right. But uh, but I think the first model is sort of you know like a universe of dots, and we we need to be stuck. You know we need to stand, uh, you know extend trust. One of the words I used in that the medic I mean the medicast that first medicast was grant, and I like that grant trust. Mm-hmm. So not sort of extend it, but maybe you grant it or you assume it, or it's your position. So your trust first, distrust second. That's right. what Cherry's sort of trying to foster. Thoughts to that? Yeah, one thing that struck me when you were talking through that is. One of the standing rules I have with everyone on my team is that don't come with a problem, come with a solution. And take that same stance that when a problem presents itself as if some your natural instinct is that someone's not trusting or you're starting to not trust, take a step back, like you said, and think through and say, okay, what is the reality? What is the angle? And understanding the direction that that's coming from. And it, maybe it wasn't delivered well, and that's what you need to work on. Um, but I think that's that's one other thing where I know that I've grown is understanding the natural healthy tension amongst the roles in that universe of people that you talked about, that everybody has a role and oftentimes roles are intentionally generating tension and that is healthy, but it can be trying if it's not delivered well. So working to understand what someone's role is and what they're doing, and that's where they need to make sure that they're delivering it well. So that's a But then also not getting defensive right off the bat. Let's layer that. And I don't know if I heard that uh, in my listening this morning to the Metacast um, of roles. Did we talk about roles much back then? I don't think so, no. So there is this layer. If it's a cake, so you have this universe... And then one of the things is assuming trust, but the other layer to bring in, I think that was a powerful comment, is the roles and responsibilities, those mm-hmm. natural roles and responsibilities, and right. not overreacting to tension, but also trusting the role, like the role of product owner. Uh, I'll use a precise example. Uh, I see all the, I hear all the time that teams are second guessing the product owner. Mm-hmm. You've heard me say this over a bunch of metacasts, where they're not picking priority well. The team's view is that uh, there's something more important or they're not interpreting the customer needs enough or whatever. You can have this passionate debate around that, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the team has to grant the product owner trust. Right. Right. And they have, and they just have to shut up and trust them. Right. That's their role. And the, and the product owner needs to trust that the team is architecting well. And the team needs to trust that leadership is leading well, even if they're coming in and telling them what to do. You know, as long as that's not happening all the time, they need to trust the intentionality of the leader. That's right. a, why is Josh coming in and telling me this? He normally doesn't do that. What what is what is different about this situation? And trying to understand that and to trust your intentions. So I, I think that's an important layer is is roles and responsibilities do come into play. And we yeah, and I think explore. that's one of those healthy things. Millennials often get a bad rap and. I don't get it. Maybe it's because I have one foot in their realm and one foot out. Um, but I, I, I often, as long as I understand the why, then I'm comfortable. I know the millennial ge- generation is often about the why. Tell me why why we're doing this. This doesn't make sense. Why, 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 why? And it can sound complaining, whiny, all of that. But 
it's connecting and giving them trust and faith and understanding right. of why this matters. So what I try and do is at times when we're going sideways on a direction that's different than we've gone before is leading with the why. So that's where you can generate that trust and trying to really get people to understand, okay, I know we traditionally run 80 miles an hour this way, but we're going to turn left and go 75 miles an hour and leading with a why, getting people to understand. And then everybody rallies behind it and understands roles and responsibilities and everything that's going along with that. Well, you just added another layer that I think is crucial. And it's, uh, to me, it's the vision. I'm going to amplify it a little bit, but vision, mission, why, and alignment. I'm going to use the word alignment. Mm -hmm. So if we're aligned, then it's easier to trust, right? right? If we communicated, what are we, what are we trying to achieve? Um, military analogy, we're going to the beach, we're trying to achieve the mountain. Well, then I'm going to trust. We all know what the goal is. Mm-hmm. So so it's, it's since we're goal-aligned, uh, it's easier for me if I see a, pr- a platoon off in the left uh, and they're running around. It looks like they're running away from the battle. I have to trust <laughs> that, yeah. that they they have a different strategy. They know maybe there's an easier path for them. So I need to trust them that we're all aligned together. Right. Right. So alignment becomes incredibly important. I don't think we – so it's a much more – I think we were naive a little bit back. Not not terribly naive. I mean it was just – we were looking at little t trust. Mm-hmm. And now I think we're adding a lot more nuance mm-hmm. to trust. And alignment comes into play. Roles and responsibilities come into play. It's not just, you know, t- you know, everyone has to blindly trust the team, et cetera. Did I, did I bastardize what you said or did I? Was no. That- so, that, so actually one of the notes that I had down is lessons in football and how that taught me. Do we have to bring that alt- in? I'm sorry. It's a, it's a part of your, D- it's a yeah, part of your it's DNA. who I am. Yeah, you that's know, okay. You brought meta. I bring sports you, analogies. Yes. I uh, interrupted you. Go ahead. No, so, uh, Oftentimes, when plays break down in football, what happens is someone's not trusting that the other 10 folks beside them is going to do their job, so they try to overcompensate. So they try and do two jobs instead of one, which means they don't do the one job they were supposed to do. They don't do it well enough. And somebody gets past them, something goes wrong. 95% of the busted plays were often, well, if I say 95%, that's pretty much often, but what happened was somebody was trying to overcompensate for something happening over here because this is a backup and they haven't played as much. So yep. you're worried you're trying to help them, but in helping them, you open up a gap. You blew it yourself. Over here. So that was one thing that we worked really hard on throughout the week is building that trust with the other 10 guys that I'm going to do my job, you do your job, and when all 11 of us do our job, really good things happen. I remember the football episode we had and um – I even did slides. I mean, we we're going to try to do a presentation around that, right. if you remember. But that was one of the more powerful lessons to me personally was that notion of do your job, right? focus and do your job, and then everyone. So if everyone's doing it, right. now we're aligned. We have coverage. Mm-hmm. And don't worry about what other, other the folks are right. doing. And that was pretty, uh, that was pretty compelling to me. Yeah, so the same thing about we're going to take the mountain, but you see this guy over here going – the wrong way but you have to trust that they're going the wrong way for the right reasons exactly exactly yeah so what, cool. what else um, in, in your notes in my they're blinding me i know it's like they're so bright i'm, I'm sorry um let's see 
the, the, the evolution, I think we talked about that, of just the difference in tone that we have over the six years of what we've learned and how we've grown is, to me, is pretty exciting. Like, I, like I look back, like, holy cow, I really didn't know anywhere near as much as I do now back then. Um, very one-sided, unidirectional. But then I think now about listening back to that, the day after when I posted that, I probably thought that sounded great. But just the constant learning that we've gone through, I hope all of our listeners can listen back to things they've done or go back and read some of their notes and see how they've grown and be encouraged and inspired by your own growth. Exactly. That's something I found that was pretty exciting. One aspect that I was thinking about as we're, as we're talking is the infectious nature. Like I think of it as being viral uh, and trust. And this is where I'm going to put the finger up and I want to see how you react to it. The middle finger up? No, no, no. Okay. Not that finger. (laughs) But I'm going to point upward to leadership and say, I think we're in organi- I think trust, like where does it start? And, and, and I've, over the years, I mean, I've had clients, I do a lot of leadership coaching and leadership teaching. Uh, trust always comes up as a topic area. Uh, very often it's that leadership trust of team because that's, typically that's a, a waterfall or a command and control mm-hmm. uh, anti-pattern. Right. And we talk about it. But it's this notion of granting it, but establishing by example, sort of trusting everyone. And so that now it becomes infectious. So teams have to do the 360 trust. But where does it start? And I think leadership and culture has to initiate it. Yeah. And, and maybe the counterpoint to what I'm trying to say is when I see distrust, I don't think distrust starts at the team. And I'm not, I'm not putting the team I, – I don't think team members – default to distrust i think leadership that is in a distrust mode then it cascades into the team it cascades from vps to directors to managers and then the managers since they're distrusted it sort of cascades down Mm -hmm. into this so it creates this so the universe we were talking about is all distrustful well how do you break that i i think i think some of the impetus has to fall to leadership now starting to trust you know we've talked about extending it and whether you you do or fake it until you make it right right? you have to fake it until you make it i don't think that's while the teams can do that i think for organizational transformation the leaders have to start changing that and really and then walking their talk so that people see examples of oh crap it's different we are in a high trust model and now i can trust other people right right i can trust my peers I can trust my employees. Then, then people in the teams. Oh, it's different. Now it's okay to trust. What do you think? I think it's almost this viral thing that's top down from a viral nature in order to, to, to transform. Buy it or not buy it. Uh, buy completely. So it is definitely a cultural norm that gets set, and using the bank account analogy can get wiped out in an instant. Right? Somebody can come in. If a VP or somebody upstream does that, then it flows downhill, flows down fast, and it becomes a virus, just like you said. And the one thing that, that that struck me was those momentary discoveries that people have of, oh, we really do trust here. And I've seen that with our folks where we've had to get folks to drop the baggage that they've had from places where they've worked before where there wasn't trust. So the first reaction is this isn't a trusting environment. So I've got to get defensive or I've got to do whatever and getting folks comfortable that yes, this really is a trusting environment and breaking through those habits and breaking through that. That's when you really get the acceleration. But 
I have a great team here. And one thing that they've challenged me on, who I try and trust like crazy, but they've challenged me like, hey, Josh, we probably shouldn't do that because that's going to send a message to our team that we don't really trust them. And that's that kick in the gut like, oh, okay, let me rethink that. Thanks for bringing that up. Exactly. You're right. Let's go that way instead of the direction that we were going. So it's got to be fostered and continually cared for. It's not. It doesn't just happen. You have to be intentional about it. You have to think about it and try and make it happen because there will be situations that your reaction might not be the direction you want to go, but you want folks that can trust that they can come to you. So if you've shown that trust, then they're going to be comfortable coming to me and saying, hey, we shouldn't do that. Well, that's a crucial conversation right. bit where you're opening the door. You're right. So now that, that sort of that viral trust is getting out there, and now the culture is self-checking. Right. And folks can feel comfortable to go upstream. I right. mean, some of my best, you know, I, I remember I was talking, I think, about a manager that, I, that trusted me way back then. Mm -hmm. And if it's who I think it was, uh, then he extended it to me. And then what that allowed is since I knew I was high trust, he, he, he I had high trust, then I would have these mo the real honest conversations with him. Right. Right. They were positive. Sometimes they were positive conversations. They were affirmation conversations. Like, Ralph, you're doing a great job. Sometimes they were also, uh, Ralph, you just screwed the pooch. And, and we had enough trust in each other. He trusted me mm -hmm. that I'm not... I'm not blowing smoke at him. Right. That I had his that I had his back in mind. Uh, I so we trusted each other. We had that 360 degree trust. So we would have these crucial conversations, which would extend the trust right. from an organizational point of view. Right. So it built on itself. Right. So there's one thing I want to dig into um, before we go much further is generating trust within teams, right? We throw out trust, trust, trust. We talk about trust up and down, left and right. But what about inside your Agile team? The success of that team's ability to deliver is going to be based on the trust, like the football thing. Do I trust that Joe, Susie, and Bob are all going in the same direction and working on the same things? What are some, are there games, are there tools, are there tips, are there tricks that we can give folks to generate that trust? Or is it you just have to put the work in every day? I I think we touched on it. I'd like to hear your reaction. We we talked a little bit in that Metacast about empowerment mm -hmm. and then setting expectation. And there was a connection between empowering teams but also setting a harsh expectation of team. Not harsh. That's the wrong one. Uh, a professional expectation of what Scrum is. Remember that? Yep. We were talking about this is, this is what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, this is part of the culture. So there was training. There was a little bit of training, but there was also doing. Right. And then reaffirming, coaching the doing. And that's how you got a high-performance Agile team. Um, I think that's what we were talking about. Uh, and part of high-performance Agile teams would be a high-trust Agile team. Mm -hmm. So I think, I, think it's, I think part of it is this environment or this culture thing. But I think it's guys like you and I setting the, as a leader, mm -hmm. setting the expectations of this is what good looks like. Right. Uh, and then calling people out just like we would be calling each other out. Right. So it's not just your team calling you out. Mm -hmm. You've earned, you should have earned the trust right. that you can call your team out when you see a behavior, uh, uh, less than trustworthy behavior. I think over time, if we know where the bar is, if we do some modicum of training, uh, if we set in expectations of excellence, right, of professionalism, and, and then we practice, uh, I think trust sort of surfaces from that. 
Yeah, what, what, do you, what one, do you buy it, not buy it? Yeah, one tool that I try and use is really celebrate those moments. So we have one guy within the tribe that whenever we do a fist of five, most of the team will throw up fours and fives, and he'll throw a two. He's always lower than everybody else. But when we do the planning poker thing and we ask him, okay, Brandon, why are you a two when everybody else is a five? He always nails it, and he's got these great reasons, well thought out, and he's right on point. And everybody goes, oh, damn, you're right. Let's revote. I'm a three. Yeah. So I try and celebrate those moments. We have it across the tribe, but those, but those times when somebody has the character to stand up and disagree with everybody else and say, it's really two and not a five, and here's why. As a leader, you have to celebrate those moments and highlight to the whole group how important and how impactful that is because discussions like that, truth calling, have to, have to happen every day or else you're going to end up with status quo and being like everybody else. I think it's one of the things that goes unsaid. So very often leaders are marginalized in Agile or they're vilified in Agile. Uh, and, and I understand the reasons for that. Um, but I think leaders, good leaders, like you're identifying, can be this force multiplier mm -hmm. because we're in this position, uh, and call them leader coaches, where you can identify behaviors. You can tell stories, like you said. You can identify behaviors in real time. Uh, you can celebrate things in real time that really amplify this is what good looks like. Mm -hmm. and, and it does it so quickly and so crisply and it sets a tone for a team. If you do it in with multiple teams, it sets a tone across multiple teams. Right. So these contexts, uh, and so people, you know, talk about training or whatever. I think in my history, the way that I influenced or, or whatever role I played was doing this this sort of stuff is the force multiplier right. to get there. Do you know what I'm? It's mm -hmm. it's these sort of catching these moments. And putting them up there. Some of them are negative, too, like right. failure. So it's how you do it. You turn failure, you, you grab a negative and turn it into a learning moment or something like that. But And it's all principle-based. You have to. It goes back to the basics of Scrum. Yeah. It's it's all principle. But uh, And I don't think the teams, in, in my experience, I, I rarely see that teams or Scrum Masters or product owners are good at that. Right. Right, some very few scrum masters are good at that. I, I think that's maybe the, that's that's a strength of leadership. Mm -hmm. If you're good leaders, you're strategic, you're tactical, you're broad, you're deep, right? You're you're thinking in multiple di directions, right? And you're at least aware of that. I think that's a the critical success. So if we're trying to get a key to the metacasters, it's whoever does that. Who who these defining moments, right? These defining teaching moments. Because what I see is if you if you grab them. The, the the organization or the teams can really quickly transform. Right. Right. They start having these aha moments. Oh, okay. And and you're rewiring people. You said something earlier that I think is important. The more baggage you have, the more yes. of these things you have to have. Right. right. You use the term baggage. And I, I do think baggage is a relevant sort of a, a negation. Mm -hmm. And and the how, however many of these things you have to do to get trust, you have to overcome. And it's individual baggage, but there's also sort of group baggage. Yeah. Uh, and organizational baggage. And I've had team members. I think I talked about one Metacast ago. Uh, there was a, there was a guy on our teams at Channel uh, No Eye Contact. 
and I never could have overcome his baggage. Right. And I mean, I had direct conversations with him. And I, I literally said, you know, he, he, let it go. I'm the only person you have to worry about. Please let it go. And he didn't trust me enough mm-hmm. to let it go. Right. And, and sort of, uh, so, so it's not everyone is going, you know, not everyone can release it. Uh, and I, th- I think that's something we just have to sort of move through as well. Yeah, I think it goes back to something we talked about in one of the past podcasts where you can't do it once and expect it to stick with a group of 40 people. Yeah. In my past, we've thrown around this number of we have to say something seven times before we feel like it's fair for it to stick with the whole group. So you have to revisit. And when you're doing something new that to some subset of your team might feel untrusting you have to continue to do that in a steady recurring cadence that builds that comfort that folks begin to realize okay this this really is okay so one of the things that we actually ran into is we have all these stats about our squads and what they're doing richard's made nice charts and graphs that shows all these different things and we said, okay, we've talked about it, but do we put it in front of the squad right. and show them, here's the here's the stats about you? And we were kind of scared because you could interpret that very poorly of, hey, we're, your velocity is not good enough and we're going to yeah. show you stats on why it's not. But Richard and I talked about it, like, okay, we need to trust our folks and we need to get them to trust us that these are just indicators you know, it's like when you're flying, flying a jet. I've never actually done it, but you look in there and there's a million yeah. – indicators of how things are going but there isn't a single one so we try to treat it such as that so this is this is the cockpit these are all the dials they're going left right look at look at the stats that's going on and that first one didn't go as smoothly as we liked but we know that if we do it quarter by quarter and keep showing folks that hey this is this is information for you to do stuff with to consume and make your lives better right we know what's going to work out but we knew that first one was not going to be pretty because all that baggage folks will come back. Okay. So you got all these metrics on us and we, which one do we have to move up or down to make our bonus look better? And like, it's not about that. Yep. This is information for you guys to consume and decide what you're going to change to make life better for you. One of the things is you're talking, I'm, I'm thinking about, so, so that creating that trust environment, uh, in the beginning, it's up to you guys like you and I, mm-hmm. uh, to, to inspire that or to set the stage for that. But I'm wondering if over time we take a step back. So I'll make two points. I, I was listening to someone at a client who I worked with historically, who worked mm-hmm. on my teams at Eye Contact. He's now at a different uh, company. Right. And I was walking through the halls there. I happened to be doing some coaching there. And I was listening to him. I shouldn't – I mean, it's an open environment. Right. So he was on the phone. And he was talking about coaching people to to a colleague, uh, that people needed coaching Etc. I guess some a, a group or some people were struggling or whatever. And when I listened to what he was doing, it, it harkened back to some of my own work. He almost sounded like me. Right. And and so what I'm trying to say is, um, we have influence on the organization. So part of it is knowing when to get involved, and then let let the people that we've coached, then like Richard, for example, is mm-hmm. now your trust agent. Right. As new people join your teams. You can. It's actually more powerful for you to back off mm-hmm. and let the team members explain to folks. No, no, no. This is this is what Josh means, or this is what this, we trust you. This, these are our parameters, uh, and and so now you're fostering that growth. 
So you're creating like these mini me's mm-hmm. that can go out there. I get. I, I guess it's not a point, but I'm trying to get your reaction to. I don't think it's always. We're like that fire starter. Mm-hmm. But we also need to sort of get involved in certain cases. Maybe we're at the next level. Mm-hmm. So once you get basic trust, then we're focusing somewhere else. Right. Because right. So then you have to fan the flames where yeah. the flames are dying down, right? Just to your point, we, we start the fire, and then it starts to spread. And then we have to kind of hover around and fan the flames when they're starting to die down and encourage and, and support and all those things that have to happen. That's that, that's that next level thing that we're trying to work on here yeah. is how do we get this – this culture, because we're going to bring on a bunch of people here at the end of the year. Yep. How do we ensure that the culture stays at least where it is, if not gets better? Yeah, and it's not—it's not a burden on us. It's—it's it's like that viral thing. Right. The viral can be negative, and it can be this positive viralness. Yep. One of the things it, it reminded me at eye contact of the influence I had. There's direct influence that you're aware of, mm-hmm. but then you're you're setting seeds. In many ways, we're like farmers to some degree, or cultural farmers, where we're setting these seeds that may not grow. I know this sounds weirdly philosophical, but it may take a while for things to catch on and grow in right. someone. When I was thinking, when I was listening to this guy the other day, I'm like, holy crap! It almost sounded like a little mini variation of of a recording of me coaching coaches to coach mm-hmm. or something like that, and it just it made me smile. Uh, not, it's not about me, but it's about sort of the influence you have, the organizational influence. I think that comes into setting trust as well. Um, maybe coming back to center on this, I, I, th- I, I think this discussion was much more nuanced than our original one. Oh, yeah. Much more layered, much more nuanced. And I, and I think trust is I think trust is inherently that. It's not them. If, you're, if it's them or us and you're trying to, you know, if it's win, lose, lose, win – then you're missing the whole point, right? It's it's sort of I think that universal view is a better view. What did we cover? Everything that yeah, you wanted to? We got everything. I'm trying to look at my notes. We talked a lot about we so basics. We we glossed over, but we were we were I have a note here. Part of trust is performance under basics. And and I think that I just want to maybe close with emphasizing that. Um that it's not chaotic trust. It's not do whatever the hell you want trust. Mm-hmm. There, there are some norms. Uh, the teams, they, you know, there are agile norms. There's different methods, et cetera. But I think there's this sort of conformance to agreements part of it. There are guardrails, and I think that's a part of it as well. Once right. we're aligned, once we have alignment, I expect us all to be adults, and we're mm-hmm. going to sort of – there's adults in the room – and we're going to listen to our agreements, or we have trust that if we need to change the agreements, we can change the agreements. Yep. So there's that. That's an underlying, pre- I think, a sort of a framework as well. Are we done? Yeah, I think the last thing I want to say is that once you get there, don't take it for granted. Oh. As soon as you stop farming it, it's gonna your crops are gonna sour. You've got to continually pay attention to it because you're gonna get there. But you've got to continue to stay on it. You have well, to keep one. The bank on account it. is a good analogy from the point of view of blowing it. Right. Right. You earn it, and, and and that's one of the old, you know, old adages of trust, is it takes you know it, it takes a long time to get it, mm-hmm. and and it can take just one instance to lose it. Right. And I think that's true as well. You, you're just the better mindset is to be in a continuous, uh, sort of, earning it. Uh, posture, right? right? Just look at yourself as I always have to be earning trust. Or if you're a leader, I think extending the trust. I remember 
when I've been a leader in companies, I must, when people ask me, you know, you're in these situations uh, all the time and people are looking, they have issues around teams or about, around whatever. And I would use the term trust the team or trust your product owner or trust your scrum master, trust the role. I probably would say that almost daily, like 15 or 20 times a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so you're in that affirmation mode. And that's part of the earning it, I guess, all the time. That's another, I think, uh, role that we play is it's not in the grandiose. It's not all setting the tone in, in grand meetings. It's, I think it's part of it is just hallway conversations right. as well. You're yeah, I think constantly that's, setting, you're setting the tone of trust. Yeah, the one thing that I wrote, wrote down was that you have to treat it like micro transactions, right? You can't expect to go deposit $500,000. Exactly. You have to pay a dollar a day exactly. and just keep putting it in. And all those little times, all those yep. little moments, you've got to pay it. One final thing. Trust when the going is easy. Mm. Let's wrap it up this way. What if the project, what if the CEO is beating you up? The team is telling you that it's not ready for a release this Friday. And the CEO is hitting you around the head and threatening you with pink slips. Right. And the team is telling you it won't be ready till next Friday. Do you trust your team or not? So there's trust under normal operating conditions, which are challenging. But then there's trust when the shit is hitting the fan. Right. Ideas, reactions so to that? one thing that I've always been very stiff on with my team is ensuring that we stick to our guns no matter what's happening. That we have our – that when the bullets start flying, when you start operating different than you always operate, bad things happen. Yep. I've been in so many – deployment situations where the deployment doesn't go as planned so we start trying these alternate plans to get back on track when in reality the best thing for us to do was to start over again and we actually get done sooner if we just not try and save the world and have these miracle hail marys let's go back let's fix the problem let's do it again and at the moment it feels like oh that's going to take a lot longer but it's the right thing to do so in those crucial moments that's when that's when real character is defined Right is what are you going to do as a leader? To your point, when the chips are stacked against you, that's your moment to so put a big deposit down, yep. or to take all your money out and waste it. I would agree that. So, so agree, agree with that. So that's the place. So trusting is hard under normal conditions. You got to nail that, and you got to be there. And and this is a three hundred sixty degree trust. Mm-hmm. But the real, you know, it, the, the separation point or the real the differentiator is when the stuff is hitting the fan. Right, and and that's the place where you can really have a defining moment for trust and really sort of get into that next level or not, or lose it. Right. right. Exactly. Cool. I like this metacast. Yeah, I, I like the contrast against the old one versus the new one. So we'll have to do that. I mean, we've talked about that being a theme, so we'll mm-hmm. have to pick one out. Yeah, we'll do that. Pick an oldie and, and then do a contrast. So if there's anybody out there that has some oldies that they want us to revisit, let us know. We'd be happy to do so. Absolutely. It was really interesting listening to, you know, I mean, there was commonality. So it was this it was this juxtaposition of I was nodding my head a lot, but then there were some fundamental differences as yep. well. So it was, yep. a, it was a pretty cool listen. So give us your feedback on this one. Uh, give us your feedback on trust. Uh, let us know what further themes are old to new conversations. So look back and we can revisit Metacast. Uh, and, the, and the overriding, the meta theme here is basics. Mm-hmm. So bringing them back to just basic sort of practices, agile practices. So we want to thank you for listening. Yes. Uh, how Indeed. do folks get a hold of us, Josh? Well. Or do we want to, or we just want to gloss over that? The one thing that was 
interesting was we actually were shopping for sponsors on our first episode. We were, I didn't really. <laughs> At the very end, we were trying to get sponsors when and, people were going to listen to. So, it. if anyone's a sponsor, we want to sponsor, we want to send us money that, <laughs> or or goods. We'll, we'll exchange stickers and books for goods, <laughs> food. I just thought it was such a funny, like, yeah. It's episode one. Give us a sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> we have no proof that we're well, going to we, do this more we, than once. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but we want a sponsor. So, so find us. Find us. if you The way you found us, found us. find us that way again. Uh, we love your feedback. And let's We need a, your feedback. We need it. We need it. So from beautiful downtown Cary, North Carolina, I'm Bob Galen. And I'm Josh Anderson. Shake. And bake. Take care, y'all.